Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking City, the Manchester City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. My name is Joe Bray and I'm uh, delighted to be joined by Stuart Brennan. How are you doing, Stu? Fine, thank you. Good stuff. Welcome back. And uh, Simon Bykovsky, how, how's it going, Si? Yeah, all right. I'm not dead. <laughs> Have you uh, warmed up from your trip to Swansea in the week? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was very cold, but uh, lucky to be out of the house then. So, <laughs> small mercies. Yeah, there we are, and you uh, had a nice, nice journey in a city win to uh, to cover as well. So before we get into what is a, another big game against Tottenham, I think it's only right that we look back on a sensational win at Liverpool, which doesn't come along very often. City were four-one winners. The tense first half, a uh, sublime second half, led by Phil Foden and Ilkay Gundogan. Stu, I'm going to ask the question, how good was Phil Foden in that game? I thought it was excellent. He was, I mean, he was lost in the first half, playing that role. I mean, Pep made the point afterwards. He always makes a point. He picks them up on the, the things they've done wrong. Um, but in the first half, he showed that why he's not perhaps quite ready to play that David Silva role as yet. You know, he, uh, I, I know I know it's slightly different to what David Silva played. It was it was almost a you know it was almost a central striking role. Um, but he, he he was off the pace. He wasn't quite with it. Um, but then as soon as he got switched out out wide, where he seemed more comfortable at the moment. He, he just turned it on, you know, the sight of him um, just taking Fabinho on, I think it was, for pace, just absolutely battering him on the outside uh, and Fabinho bringing him down for a yellow card kind of sparked it. And then he was just he was just sensational after that. I know, I mean, Pep was a little bit wary of praising him too much and, and switched the conversation to Raheem Sterling when, uh, when Phil's name was brought up. But uh, you know, I mean, Sterling did did do do extremely well. But I, I thought I thought Foden looked looked absolute class. And the fact that in midweek he's then left out for a cup game that that sort of tells you where where he's at in terms of his development. He's being left out of cup games, and I'd be very surprised if he doesn't start against Tottenham tomorrow night. I felt like Fabinho and Henderson had the had the sort of better of him and were sort of ushering him off the ball, and it was that tactical tweak at half time that, that that really did change it. And and his goal was 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 fantastic. Another good performer side at Liverpool was Ilkay Gundogan, but he recovered from another penalty miss. What was the reaction sort of inside the ground to that, and how how did you view his reaction and sort of improvement in the second half? Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone could quite believe it inside the ground. Um, Gundogan. One of the most reliable players who just utterly, utterly got it wrong, and I think, um, yeah, the I think they were very noisy celebrations, all four of City's goals, and Gundogan especially was louder than he, he usually is, and I think that was part partly because he knew that he'd uh, he'd got out of jail. But I, yeah, I, Foden was great, Gundogan was great. I don't think City would have won the game without Sterling because City were pretty poor in that first half and Sterling was the one whenever he got the ball he was positive he was driving at players yeah he, he led he was captain and he led from the front and he got them the penalty he got them the first goal um, and he, he got a very well-deserved first goal at Anfield since since leaving five and a half years ago so yeah I think Gundogan and Foden both improved in the in the second half but Sterling was the one for me who just kind of drove them for the 90 minutes. Yeah, I, I think looking at Sterling the last few months, he's he's the type of player who's now making things happen rather than finishing off moves and, and letting other players help him out. He, he's really taking responsibility and he's played in the centre a few times and that seems to have improved him a bit as well in his sort of tactical um, awareness. And it, it felt like a, a second half performance where everything came to the top and everything 
worked well for City and, and they got the reward. And a lot of people have been saying took control of the title race. Is it too soon to say that City are, are favourites? Because everyone seems to have suddenly written off Liverpool. I know they're 10 points behind, but I don't know. There's a lot of football to play, isn't there? What, what, what do you think, Stu, about where the title race stands now after that result? It's just madness. I mean, obviously City are favourites. You know, if you had to back anybody in, in, in the title race, it, it would be them. But this season, we, we should have learned we should learn in any season, to be honest with you, that you know things change. If they don't beat Tottenham tomorrow, uh, and United and Liverpool win this weekend, everyone starts saying, "Oh, the title race is back on," you know, and it is. It never really went away. You know, they've got they don't get Everton in midweek and then Arsenal. It's they're all tough games, you know, and things change. I mean, I think I think Pep said, you know, in the space of a week, every, everything changes, and it doesn't. I think this season more than any other. And we've already seen some some strange results. We've seen we've seen teams have good patches, and but also have some really bad patches. I mean, Liverpool looked unbeatable uh, not so long ago when City were looking eminently beatable. Uh, and to think that those changes are permanent, that Liverpool are now on a big slide, and that City are on a huge up and back to where they were in 2018, is just is just madness. You know, we should learn. We should learn from previous seasons, but we should learn more specifically from what's gone on so far this season. Football's fickle at the best of times, but COVID football is just is just has got a, the capability of being completely mad. You know, anything can happen and anything can happen in this next week. And if it if it does, we'll all be saying it's all up in the air again. And it will be. I completely agree. And I think Especially this week, we've had injury scares to Rodri, Ruben Diaz, and obviously City coming up against the Tottenham team who they've struggled against recently. They lost the last time they lost was against Tottenham, so it's uh, it's by no means sorted. But before we get on to the Tottenham game, I know you two feel very strongly about all the talk of City's record that they won this week. Um, Sai, you at Swansea to see this record-breaking 15th win in a row. Do you want to explain why? It isn't a record. Well, it is a record if you want to treat it like that. Um, essentially, Man City won 20 games in a row uh, the back end of 2017, but that included a win on penalties over Wolves in the Cup. Now, City asked if that would be counted, and IFAB, the people who make the laws of the game, said, yes, that counts. And other people said, yes, it counts. Opta were among the people to say that, no, it doesn't. So if you take penalties, then it, City's longest winning run is 20 in all competitions. If you don't take penalties, then it's 15. I've got no problem with anyone taking either interpretation. What I do have a problem with is people, including the club now, who put out a statement after the Swansea game, having been telling us for weeks to ignore anything like that, is trying to count both. Because then, you know, you just sort of... You, it's cakeism. It's saying, yeah, let's let's talk about this because it makes us sound good, even though we we've spent years saying the opposite is true. So that that's my beef with it. But um, I, I've no problem with people saying either 15 wins or 20 wins. But uh, I, I don't think that wins in after extra time or shootouts should count. But because IFAB say that they do, anything that I write will be geared towards that 20 wins. Yeah, absolutely. Who are, who are you? Who are you to say, Bykovsky? Exactly. I, like you say, like you said, IFAB make the rule. They're the people who say yes, 
penalty shootout win equates to a match win. So that's that's the end of the, the discussion. You know, who are up to, to, to say that? Up to a bunch of stats people. And yet there's another stats. I mean, the National Association of Football Statisticians, they said, you know, and they've been going a bit longer than up to They said, yeah, they said the same thing. A, a penalties win is a match win. I mean, we, we don't even, we've never really considered this before. You know, when, when teams have, have won big trophies on penalty shootouts. We don't say, we say they won the World Cup final or they won the Champions League final. We don't say, now they drew it. We don't, they say, we say they won it. They won it. And and that's 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 a be-all and end-all. I'm not sure, I'm not sure fans care too much, to be honest, but we do. We do. And we're going to thrash it out. It was, Gary, I, was, I spoke to Gary James about this. Gary's the uh, City City Club historian, uh, and he was the one who actually wrote to IFAB and wrote to the, the football statisticians to get clarity on this three years ago. And Gary came to a, a typical Statos uh, conclusion on this by saying, well, well, we'll just claim two records. We now hold the record for most wins, including penalty shootout, and most wins... Include not including penalty shootouts. So, either way you look at it, I mean, I mean what what get, what's got lost in this is is just the achievement. Really, that's that's the, that's what the city fans really care about. It's the way it's happened at that time of year. You know, December when Pepe didn't have a you know hasn't always had a great record. When it's really really tough, these fixtures coming one after the other. In this year in particular, when they hadn't had a good good pre-season or virtually had no pre-season they've not been playing well that the timing of it was just incredible and you know they they played Liverpool in that spell they they played United Chelsea Arsenal and and you know other other clubs who who have been doing well in the Premier League so you know the enormity of that achievement shouldn't really be hidden by the by our petty squabble about the record or not yeah definitely the I mean to win 15 games in a row is is a ridiculous achievement however you do it and uh, I was looking into those runs a little bit closer and City have kept more clean sheets in the current run in the 15 games they've kept 10 out of 15 and they've kept more compared to the 2017 run where they kept nine I think they've conceded about half as many goals especially when you sort of count the goals that they have conceded a couple of been late consolations that haven't affected the game at all so it does seem like City have put this run together they've really sharpened up the defence the defence has been as much to uh, to to credit for it as as the attack have been I think in the 2017 run a lot of a lot of it was down to the attack a few late really late winners and uh, a, a lot of credit should should go to them for that and we've seen City build up runs before they won was it 14 in a row to win to win the league in, in 2019 yeah. but I, th- I think this one does deserve quite a lot of, of credit just for the circumstances as you just uh, just looked into there Stu so we'll uh, move swiftly on from, from that record um, so I just a couple of thoughts about the Swansea game who who came in and took the chance did anyone not take the chance would you say Gabriel Jesus was excellent I thought left out against Liverpool um, he came on and kind of made the difference against Liverpool we missed him out earlier but he was uh, very important in pressing Alisson because we you know City did well in the second half against Liverpool but the conceded a goal and it was one all with 20 minutes to play so it it was sort of the way the players took the game on in the last 20 minutes and Jesus was part of that he was great against Swansea and got a goal which is what you need to do if you're a striker um you know he got a goal in a way that Ferran Torres didn't with a few chances um so if you were looking at one of those to start on Saturday um it'd be Jesus uh Rodri really good He's he's playing really well at the minute. He he was another who was terrific at Liverpool. Really stood strong when a few of them were wobbling. 
he's he's trained as well. He went off injured against Swansea, but he's he's trained the last few days, so he should be fine to go against Tottenham. It was just a very professional win and exactly what they needed, really. Swansea, a very good side, wouldn't be surprised to see them in the Premier League next year. Um, it was minus two and the attitude from both the players and the subs throughout, I was very close to the bench and, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't have thought that there was plenty going that meant they, they wouldn't enjoy the football because uh, just permanent smiles on faces at the minute. Yeah, it seems like that, that everyone who comes in is, is ready to take the chance and I was I was quite impressed with Benjamin Mendy. I thought he's not featured since the last round he did okay. I don't think he really took his chance against Cheltenham but I think he was a bit more focused and determined. I'm not sure he'll keep his place against Tottenham. We'll talk about that in a sec but um, if Guardiola is looking for a bit of an improvement and a bit of a, a better attitude for Mendy. I think I think he got it. Looking forward to Tottenham, you've mentioned their side, the uh, the Rodri injury scare that seems to be okay. Stu, what's the other the team news? We've got updates on Diaz and Aguero. Is that right? Yeah, Diaz is okay. I think he had a he had some kind of bug, didn't he, in, in the week? That's why he didn't travel to Swansea. He seems to have come through it. He's, he's back in back in training. Rod Rodri's okay. He. he he caused a few scares. Fernandinho's out, so it's just as well that Rodri's okay because that would have been a problem. I mean, who do they play in that holding midfield role if Rodri and Fernandinho are out? You know, you presume that they'd have to use Gundogan, which causes a knock-on effect and disrupts the flow of where you know of the way they've been playing. I, th- I think apart from that, Sergio Aguero's just had his second training session with the, the squad, so that's positive. Obviously, the long-term Kevin De Bruyne and, and Nathan Ake both still out. But it, 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 it's looking, it's all coming together. You know, you consider they've gone on this 15-match run. They've got Aguero and De Bruyne on the way back. Um, you know, barring any any cataclysm in terms of the injuries uh, in, in the next next week or two, it, it's looking really, really solid. You know, they, they're going to have a strong squad. They can rotate. And, uh, you know, the, the rest of the Premier League needs to be where and the rest of Europe, to be honest. Who would you play in defence, Stu, against Tottenham? You've got Cancelo, who got a rest. You've got Walker, who scored a 30-yard screamer, let's say. Let's put it that way. You've got a, a Laporte, who could come in. Diaz, who could come back. What would your, your back three, your back four be against Spurs? Well, right, right back is tough, isn't it? Because, I mean, Cancelo's been been excellent. But he's not he's not been playing right back, let's let's be honest. he's been He's been moving forward. And him moving forward into midfield has freed up Gundogan, and that's why Gundogan is is, is excelling. You know, uh, Cancelo's been picking him out uh, with passes. He, he's been making those runs to the edge of the box and into the box, and uh, he's he's been picking off goals because Cancelo's playing as a as an auxiliary midfielder. But I. I I'm a little bit torn because I also think Walker against Tottenham. Tottenham are going to be hitting City on the break. We know what they're going to do. They'll they'll park the bus and they'll hit City on the break and they're good at it. You know, they've got Son. They've got Kane who who holds it up and brings the others into play. They've got Son and and Mora and and the other fellow whose name's escaping me for the second, Bergvine. These these players are are so good at sort of hitting you on the break. And, And Walker is the best recovery defender City have got you know when everyone's camped in the opposition half Walker is, is one who's got the pace and he's got the power to get back and deal with things so there is a little bit of that uh, playing against his old club as well you know he'd, he'd be able to impress and to do well uh, and he gives you that little bit got, I mean I could have foreseen a situation if Rodri and Fernandinho hadn't been fit where both would have played um, I'm not I'm not sure that will happen um, with Rodri fit because that midfield three are, are, are pretty solid. But, you know, he, Cancelo has shown he can play in that midfield role. 
but yeah, so I mean, right back, I'll, I'll stick with Cancelo. He, he did it at Anfield, so you know he can do it against Spurs. And then Diaz, absolute fixture. There's no doubt about that. You've got to stick with Stones as well. I mean, I feel a little bit sorry for Laporte because he's been so good for City up until the Tottenham away game. But um, you know, and you also kind of think Pep is longing to get his left foot back as well. It gives that balance with that left foot. You know, he's got Diaz right footed. Or stolen right footed and 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 uh, Laporte with the left, and the left back is Inchenko. You know he's been excellent again. He's 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 not a natural left back, but but when City are on the front foot, he, he's so he adds so much. Uh, at times at Anfield, he was he was exposed a little bit defensively by Alexander Arnold and by Salah, um, but not enough for it to matter. Uh, and and what he added in the attacking half of the game uh, more than compensated for it. So that'd be my my back four. You've got Walker, uh, sorry, uh, Cantello, Zinchenko, fullback, Diaz and Stones, centre-backs. Why, why change a winning formula? It says a lot about him that last season he got sent off against Spurs and, and contributed to that defeat in North London. And this season he's sort of brought himself back and is the, sort of the first choice left back now. And uh, yeah, against against Liverpool, he may be a bit shaky in the opening half an hour, but really, really recovered well and, and won that battle by the end of it. Sai, a similar question to you, not necessarily about team news, but what? What sort of game are you expecting with City and Tottenham? What do you think the tactical approach of both managers will be? I think, as Stu says, Tottenham will very much be hit and hit and run. They they showed in their their FA Cup defeat at Everton that they're very good at set pieces. It's probably still the weakest part of of City's game is set pieces, especially now they've uh, they've tightened up on the counter. But if they're going to be exposed on the counter, Spurs are going to be one of the one of the teams you'd pick to do that, and you'd also back them at, at set pieces for because of the set piece risk. I wonder if Laporte might come in at left back instead of Zinchenko just to give that kind of extra height and security. Um, it wouldn't necessarily be be fair on Zinchenko because he's played so well, but um, it might be kind of a, a needs must for that situation. But the, the games between these two teams have been absolutely bonkers for. Two, three, four years. The last time Tottenham came to the Etihad was August last season. And it was one of the most one-sided games of football I've ever seen. City absolutely tore Spurs apart for 90 minutes and ended up drawing 2-2. I think they've had 70, 70 shots against them in the last three games and scored twice. So it's going to be a test of of those key metrics on a football pitch. The boxes, um, can City take the chances at the gate and can they keep can they stop the the few chances that they they can see because I don't think Tottenham will rip them open really but it's about making sure that they don't uh, get into those positions where they can really hurt City yeah well I think that's the thing Tottenham against City seem to be a side that can soak up the pressure and then Young Min Son will pop up with an obligatory goal and and they're, they're very good at taking the chances and they've, they've made City pay for that um, in the past. So I think it'll be interesting. I think maybe with City's position in the league, if you offered Guardiola a draw now, you probably wouldn't complain too much. Obviously, we'll want to win, but uh, City can now afford to do that. Um, we touched on it earlier, City's next few games. They've got um, Spurs, Arsenal, Everton, um, Borussia Mönchengladbach, which has now been moved location then they've got I think 
West Ham and Man United in the next month as well. So it's not an easy game at all. I've just drawn Everton in the Cup as well as the league game. Stu, how, how much do you think this month is going to define City's chances of, of how much silverware they can win at the end of the season? Yeah, it, it, it should define it. You know, if they come through that, win it, you know, with as many wins as draws, I think they'll win the league. But not necessarily. You know, as I said earlier, you know, we've already found this season that you can lose to teams much lower. What City have done well in the last 15 matches, and I know I said that they've beaten United and they've beaten Chelsea and they've beaten Arsenal um, and Liverpool, um, but really they've beaten up the relegation strugglers. You know, uh, other, other clubs of Liverpool have come unstuck against Burnley and Brighton. United came unstuck against Sheffield United. Um, City have been flat-track bullies. You know, they've, they've been beating those, those sides repeatedly um so now they've got to translate that into playing better teams now they've always in, in under pep guardiola they've always done that you know they, they've always beaten the, the top teams as well um but last season they didn't uh and that, that was that was a a drawback they've got to they've got to start beating top six teams on a regular basis i mean this season they've not really done it they beat chelsea uh and they went to anfield and, and won uh, they've got to, they've got to start doing what they were doing in the two title seasons, which is dominating the big teams as well as the little teams. And if they can show they can do that in the next in the next two or three weeks, well, the title's there for the taking. Yeah, uh, similar question to you, Sai. How much uh, does City need to improve? So Stu said there that uh, it, it, these big games need to be addressed. What, what can they do in those games? How can they approach these games? It's still a one game at a time process. I think so, yeah. Um, but they're just so much better than every other team in the league currently. Um, they are they're doing the thing that they did when they won the league, and that is snuffing out any hope um, from any other team. You know, I saw someone, just some fan on Twitter, um, tweet out, oh, it must be so boring to be a City fan when, your team just wins every week and then you you buy all the best players and and you know yeah. a lot of city fans took great joy in saying how much they enjoy it and and rightly so but other teams will have looked at this run of fixtures coming up from city and thought right well if they wobble against liverpool then that might trigger something and they can go on and they will have just had all that hope sucked out of them by seeing liverpool one man city four um and liverpool are already talking about yeah we're not in a title race we're in top four and Solskjaer's saying we shouldn't be title contenders um, and all the while everyone's losing hope and City are just winning and winning um, you know it, it feels like the title is a foregone conclusion uh, I know you can't say that because it's been a crazy season but it feels like that at the moment because City are just so much better than everyone else I was staggered to uh, Guardiola's won manager of the month for January of course Um Manager of the month for November was Jose Mourinho for an unbeaten month that took Tottenham to the top. Um, they're now 14 points behind City um, and that will be 17 on, on Saturday if they lose. So, you know, if, if they win on Saturday, then it's yet another team um, that just has no hope of catching them. Um, so City can take it one game at a time, but almost the... Uh, their wins are more damaging for for their rivals than than they are, you know, good for for City at the minute. 
Yeah, I suppose that's that's a good point with with playing other top six teams. You you're not just increasing your own lead and and your own points tally and winning run. You, you you're taking points off them, which really puts the the difference between between yourselves and them. And with reducing fixtures, that that will bode well for City. Um, another slight. Uh, narrative of this game is that this is the two teams that will contest the Carabao Cup final. Stu, do you think there will be anything that either team can learn from each other? Does does a final have a different approach to a, a league game like this? What Will that come into, into play at all? I don't think there's anything that they can learn from each other. I, I, I know Pep and uh, Pep has come up against Mourinho more times than any other manager in his history, I believe. So you know he he knows he knows if he knows anybody's way of thinking. I mean they work together as well. If he knows anybody inside out, it's Mourinho, um, and and vice versa. You know Tottenham know exactly what to expect from City tomorrow. Um, you know, Pep does like his little surprises every now and then, but I'd be surprised if he if he did it this time. Um, I think he'll just go go with his strongest suit, uh, and they'll do the same when it comes to the cup final. It'll be another day. We don't know whether the same players, you know, we, we could have Aguero back by then, we could have De Bruyne back by then. I mean, because it's a delayed final this year, uh, you know, it's put back to, is it April, I think, isn't it? I'm not even, April, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of get each game as it comes. Me and <laughs> so, uh, but no, I, I think uh, I think that'll be an entirely different game in, a, in an entirely different era. And in this mad season, who knows where we'll be by the time that, that final comes around. That's it, yeah. And, and with Spurs crashing out of another cup this week, uh, it looks like their only only chance of a domestic trophy, at least, will be in that cup. So that'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, I will get your score predictions then, or at least uh, win, draw, lose predictions. Sai, what are you thinking for, for the weekend? 3-0. I think bold, big win. Spurs are due a hiding from City. Um, and the form of each team coming into it doesn't suggest that um, it will be a close game. Yeah, there's always goals in this one, isn't there? Apart from that that 1-0, but that came just after the Champions League one. So, uh, slight reason for that, Stu, your, your prediction? I'll go for a 2-0. Um, and a tight for most of the game. City will score a couple, one in the second half, one late in the second half, and uh, just, to, just to tie things up when... When Tottenham finally emerge from their shells and try and do something, well, I'll go. I'll go two one because I'm convinced Young Min Son will score as he always does. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Against City. Um, side before we go, Angelino could seal a transfer away from City uh, tonight. This is Friday. We're talking. Uh, have you got a bit of an update on that? Uh, well, yeah, it's a loan deal for the season that becomes an obligation to buy if he makes so many appearances um he is one appearance away from from crossing that threshold and and RB Leipzig play tonight and he's played all but one of their games so you would expect that to go through and uh one of the strangest transfers in the in the Pep Guardiola era will uh the the chapter will be closed on that one and he'll stay very happy in RB Leipzig and try and forget his time in Manchester and Guardiola will certainly forget his time in Manchester and we'll all move on. Well, didn't didn't I read that he's got a buyback clause again? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he does. Um, about £35 million. Pounds. Um, but, uh, well, I mean, I mean, you said it, Benjamin Mendy's 
played well the other day. Well, Mendy's fourth choice left back at the minute. So I'm not sure Angelino would want to come back and be fifth choice. I think I'm not. If when they do buy him back again, I'm pretty sure Angelino will hope for something a bit easier than playing Liverpool away and United. Liverpool away and United that like he did last season. I mean, talk about baptisms of fire. He got chucked in against Liverpool against Salah, who was on fire. And he, he got chucked in against United when Daniel James was in, was in a good run and uh, he had two shockers and uh, and has never been seen again. Yeah, but fair play to United, United out. I think he's a, he's top scorer for Leipzig, I think I read, or he's definitely been very prolific. So he seems to have found the perfect club. I'd imagine, as you say, Si, that'll be that. And you know, he's found a club that fits that isn't Man City. So yeah, good luck to him. I'm off to the women's derby tonight. So hopefully City can uh, continue oh, yeah. there for the title. Let's have a word on that, Joe. That's that's more exciting than the men's team. <laughs> <laughs> well, just looking at the table, it's uh, it's a big one, big one for both teams. It's um, I think City have a game in hand over Chelsea and United, but they're five points off the top, so a win will take them two behind. And it looks like the the winner of the game tonight will keep the title hope alive. The the loser will find it very difficult. But Chelsea look look a good side as well. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It was two two in the reverse fixture, so hopefully hopefully some goals to keep me warm because I'm not expecting a a warm one at the Academy Stadium. So with that, I will we will wrap up here. Thank you very much, Sai, Stu. Enjoy the Tottenham game. We will be back with another episode of Talking City where hopefully City's uh, record-breaking run continues not with any penalty penalty shootouts